evening. Welcome to the Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today we have on Paul. Paul is the guitarist from the awesome group The Answer. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Good to be here. Well, as I was saying, I've been a fan of you for a long time, and you guys had been off the scene for a little bit. And I was kind of like, actually, in the past year, kind of looking for you guys, like what's going on. So this is great. We're talking now. You've got a new new single out, Blood Brothers, and yep. Sundowners is coming out in uh, St. Patrick's Day. 17th yep. of March, right? March 17th, yeah. It's, uh, there's a free uh, Shamrock, Guinness, and uh, Jameson for everyone who buys it on the on the 17th. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so let's let's talk about that. So you guys had a uh, break, I guess, right? Or as uh, yeah. Ross and Rachel call, we were on a break. Uh, for a little friends there joke. So you, just, you guys are just tired, tired when you're on the road and just needed like a real just break from the band type of thing to recharge type of deal um it was partly that and it was partly um kind of enforced just by the the way the band was going i think we've been going on that would have been 17 years together mm. and uh maybe we kind of we peaked before before that and it felt like things were on the on the downward uh, spiral which is hard to admit to yourself, or uh, it's not nice to hear, but it was kind of going that way a little bit, if I'm well, honest. No, no, no. Well, and the thing is, I'm not looking for dirt with the band. I think one of the things I like to talk about in the show is the reality of how hard it is. Just, I mean, you enjoy what you do as a band and musicians, but it's a lot of work and a lot mm -hmm. of changes in life happen to have real life things happening and then go up on stage and perform and perform a fun show for everybody when there's other things in life that are going on, that dynamics of different shows and bands and touring and family and kids and wives and spouses and you know what i'm saying so yeah it's, it's important that, that people realize that when the when their, their favorite artists put out an album buy it they come by go see them when they, they might not come back again they put out some merchandise buy their shirts because they get more money from the shirts than they do from the shows half the time especially more than they get from the albums so it's more about me just saying hey people realize that there's a lot more going on here and it's a yeah. little more special than it used to be i think it wasn't the, these behind the music rock guy days have kind of changed now you know yeah mm -hmm. oh it's definitely a it's a labor of love now if um they keep doing it yet you have to love it and and work hard or yeah you know it's not gonna happen no it's not and you have uh musical roots anyway because your dad has been a lifelong mm -hmm. musician too career musician so i mean you really out of the gate <laughs> yeah yeah he was he was uh he played trumpet trombone uh, sang a bit in a band called The Freshmen, who were a, a show band in, in Ireland, kind of in the, in the 60s, early 70s. So um, he he did that before I was born. He was doing that, and he did a bit of management and a bit of session work as well after that. Um, but he, he was always, of course, it meant we had a, a great record collection. A lot of people, you know, musicians would come and stay in the house, so that was kind of commonplace for me growing up but uh when it came to to my turn where it looked like maybe i i might go down that path too he was yeah. kind of trying to get me to go a different way um <laughs> i guess because he, he knew the pitfalls and how hard it is and you know maybe he was trying to discourage me and if i really wanted to do it and had what it takes i would do it anyway regardless right i like to think that that was his reasoning but i'm sure <laughs> he was trying did to he, get me to do something else did he get to see any of your success? 
Uh, he did, yeah. Um, he actually passed away in uh, ooh, 2009, but he did get to see us on that, that ACDC tour we did when we, we came to Dublin. He oh. came down to, to that show. So, um, How awesome Yeah, he got to... Yeah, it was great. It was great. The whole family, well, everyone's family was down at that one. So it was kind of, you know, everyone got to right. share in the success and uh, watch their, their kids on stage. It was, yeah, it was a nice time. It was a nice time. Especially with your old man being a musician and the whole thing. I mean, it's just a double, double point yeah. there for you to kind yeah, of get that little thing. Yeah, it's ACDC. I'm performing for everyone the homeland. This is, this is it. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. You're, you're backstage, you know, there's uh, free booze, you're in the green room. It's it's not so bad, huh? No, it pops yeah. So, yeah, he enjoyed it. He enjoyed it. That's cool. It's really cool. You have, you are, you are a riff a riff guy. A lot of good riffs. That, that, that's mm-hmm. your riffs. Each of you guys, obviously, is instrumentals. You ride the band in your own way. And the fact you guys are all together as one one group through the mm-hmm. whole thing is, is fantastic to begin with. Um. But to that point, each you, your your riffs are really a big part of the songs. What is, is that a big thing with you? You write a riff first, and then you bring it to the band, or how's that process go? Um, yeah, sometimes like that. Uh, kind of, I guess we write the first way we ever wrote songs was jamming in the room together, mm-hmm. and just something exciting would happen—a riff or, you know, a nice change or something rhythmic—and uh, we'd vibe on that a bit. Um, if if Cormac was in the room too, he would, you know, sing some stuff over the top of it. And then we take that away and kind of finesse it a little bit and see where it could go. So the first way was just spontaneous um, in the room and, and the chemistry between the, the three or four of us. Then it, it did develop more into, um, you know, you work on riffs and, and structures and arrangements yourself and mm-hmm. and, and bring them in. Uh, to the band and and see how it works and maybe someone else would have an idea to take it somewhere else um or you know someone else would bring in you know Cormac might bring in a song uh it'd be a bit more simplistic and then we try and make that you know a bit have some of the you know have a riff to it yeah want me to it yeah take it a bit bit further away give it some more angles and stuff um and you know James, Mickey as well. All, all of us kind of bring stuff in, and and see what happens. Sometimes it's oh, finished. You're, you're all great, you know, as musicians Sometimes separately. Yeah, yeah. There's we've we've worked at it a long time now, so um, you know, we know what each each other's good at, and you know our our strengths and, and weaknesses. I think complement each other. It's probably why it, it worked for as long as it has. Mm-hmm. You guys are the original. Like literally, you guys all got together from the very beginning. Uh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean, as a musician, and you've seen other musicians, other bands. Do you realize how fantastically incredible and bananas that is that for four people <laughs> to get together out of a gate, and, like not have to go through a million musicians and like stay together and actually all be talented and be able to write together? Yeah, it's it's something you probably take until it ends. The, the first sort of break we had, it's something you you know you took for granted. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, I've seen a lot of a lot of bands come and go through through the yeah. years. Um, that uh, you know are starting the same time as us, and you know some lasted two years, some lasted two or three albums. But uh, there's not many of them are are still around today. Only yeah. Well, the fact you as musicians though too, you guys didn't have to go through five different singers and three different drummers, no, and, and no. you guys like we're out of the gate. You guys like this is this is it. We all work together. 
musically and personally and it just works and that's yeah you know what i mean it, it, it's kind of i wouldn't say by design it was, it was lucky more than than by design but um i mean with with mickey i played with him since i was 15 maybe and we were always on the lookout for we had a maybe a band when we were very young and then we kind of you know we still played together and still wrote together but didn't have a band as such for probably until we were like 1920 mm-hmm. and and James was a drummer we knew from, since I was 14 maybe and always wanted to play with him never had the opportunity because he was you know a sought after musician so he's always in a band so uh, when he became available um that that was an opportunity to take and some of the, we put some songs together around that time and some friends suggested this guy Cormac Neeson would be the perfect singer. Didn't know him. Uh, I actually went to the same school as him, but I didn't know him. And I tried to find him, but he was in uh, in America. He was in uh, Wildwood for the summer. Just, you know, he's 18, 19, going away for the first time. So he, he was there <laughs> for three months. Couldn't find him. And I went back to started university and uh, playing a Brazilian music ensemble every Thursday. Yeah. And I noticed one day on the notice board, you, know, you put your name on and uh, I noticed the name Cormac Neeson. I thought, is that the guy? Could it be? And I went to the, maybe been there a month and, you know, couldn't, didn't find him. Walked in one day, one seat empty, sat down, guy beside me, gave me a guitar and goes, will you play that? I'm not great at that. You know, I'll sing or something or do something else. So just talking away to him, uh, getting on well. I thought I'll just ask him. Maybe he knows knows this guy. So do, you don't know yeah. Cormac Neeson, do you? And he goes, I do actually. Yeah, know him quite well. I'm Cormac Neeson, and so <laughs> that's that's how we met him. And he came out that weekend, and uh, God, I think that was 1999. So um, he's he's been there ever since. That's amazing. It's so yeah. fun that that such a little tight thing right out of the gate. Um, and he's got a voice like your albums though. And I remember hearing him like, God, they only have like at that point a couple albums. I'm like, you guys sounded like a band that had been playing on the road in the seventies for years. Yeah. Like, well you already had your act together by that time. Well, I think we did it the the old way and I think we we, we gigged around sort of Ireland just for four years. Which uh I mean was probably frustrating at the time because you'd you'd hope within a year, you know, two years maybe you'd have a record deal and You'd be on yeah. tour and doing all that stuff, but it took a bit longer than than I hoped. But we'd uh, remember someone saying you, you need a five year plan when you start a band, and if it doesn't work out in that five years, well then you know if you you know worked hard and give it your best shot, then it's time to move on. So kind of had that time period on it. We did it, we did it in four and got got the record deal and and got out there. So it, you know, with a bit of adversity at, at the beginning that we we pushed through. Did a lot of strange gigs and you know some cover gigs and stuff like that. They're they really kind of you know cut our teeth and get those foundations strong. What is the scene there like back then? Like, because obviously being from America, I have no idea what the the music scene is over in Ireland to begin with. Like, what was it like to be a rock band then? Was it flooded? Was there like I, I'm gonna say um, like like in Canada, you can be in a band, but then they have to tour. They have to drive like really far between towns because there's like huge spaces. Like yeah, like how is it for? Is there a lot of places to play in Ireland, or how's the scene there? Um, 
I wouldn't say there's a lot of places to play, um, but it, it's not too bad. It's probably in, in Belfast where we started, I guess there's four or five at that time. There's four or five gigs you could do. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them were, you know, showcasey kind of things that you'd have to know the right people to get on, on the bill. Mm-hmm. Then there were some gigs you put on and promote yourself, which were, were easier to get, but, um, you know, five people could turn up. Um, and then I guess we thought it was a long distance to drive down to Dublin to do a show. <laughs> Uh, but I guess compared to Canada, it's uh, you know not that far really. <laughs> I remember we did a gig in, in Dublin. It was the first kind of, it was a big deal, and I had to get my dad's van and you know get all the gear and that, and we drove down. It was like you know the biggest thing that ever happened to us was like two hours down the road. <laughs> yeah, I, when I when I heard uh, I talked to some Canadian artists, they talk about touring Canada because even like the U.S. is different. U.S. there's a lot of places to play. Depending on the markets for music, what kind of music in before COVID, of course. But there's a lot. But then you start thinking outside of the the world of you know, God forbid, thinking outside of the American <laughs> market. It's different, you know, with mm-hmm. not just economics and style, and then of course just the geography is so much different. Yeah, yeah. For, for a lot of other countries, musically, where there's hot pot, you know, hot spots where mm-hmm. everyone is, and there's big old spaces where it's not enough to stop in a small little thing, you know. Unless you're yeah. doing gas, gas money, big gas money stop is what it would be, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, probably, a lot of bands have done that. I mean, for us, it's uh, I guess Belfast and Dublin were were good places. There's a lot of places to play there. Um, when you go further south, it's maybe one gig per city you can do. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's gas money. If you go, if you do the full tour of of the island, it's. Uh, Kind of Dublin, Belfast, and then gas money, one one show per time, if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, so you guys played, you guys did really big, you had some great albums, and then the 2017 is when you guys kind of took your break, you kind of cooled your yeah. jets and kind of stepped away. At mm-hmm. that point, it was just like we're gonna put on we're gonna just like put the brakes on temporarily, do some separate things and then revisit it later on when we've kind of decompressed type of deal. And then of course uh, COVID came too. Yeah, yeah, that that was it. Yeah, um, I think at the time, we'd just done the the Solace record, and we'd mm-hmm. done kind of three tours on that, um, and it it did okay, but it didn't, you know. I think in terms of sales and the shows, it didn't match what what we wanted, mm-hmm. um, and it was becoming. Yeah, I just had my first child then. Uh, the other guys, all the kids, um, so maybe it was kind of pushing us in that direction to, to take a break, and we all we all decided to to do that. Um, I kind of yeah, we we thought we'd come back to it, but when you stop something like that, you know, after that long, it's it yeah. feels like it's never coming back. I certainly, I I thought it was never coming back. Sitting in you know January two thousand and eighteen. Sort of took took the break, Christmas, yeah. sitting down, sort of planning what the future was going to be, and uh, the answer was not, you know, top of that list, um, yeah. just because it wasn't, it didn't seem realistic. But uh, lo and behold, uh, less even less than two years later, I got a call from the manager. He said, "You've got a offer of a deal or a label in Australia." Um, 
just reaching out to see if, if people are still into doing it. Uh, I said, yeah, let's let's give it a try. And everyone was, was in, up for the idea. We met that that August. Um, I remember the first rehearsal back. It was, uh, I thought, uh, this isn't going to work. <laughs> We're too rusty. We've gone too long. And uh, But we, we kept going. With, I think we had maybe two or three kind of writing sessions before COVID came. Mm-hmm. And the the sec the, the session we did just before COVID came, it was starting to things were starting to cook again. So yeah. The band was was starting to it was in the pocket. The songs were starting. There was one or two songs I thought these could get on any album, um, mm-hmm. and uh, things were you know the chemistry relations within the band were great, and uh, we we're ready to go. And then COVID hit. That kind of put a full stop on everything. And of course, then everyone's thinking, when will this end? Will it end? Initially, right. it seemed like it'd be two, three weeks. And then, you know, you get to June, and it's like, will this ever end? Will the record label want to do an album again? Or will there be money? Will people be able to go to shows? So there's a lot of uncertainty. But uh, we, we kept, kept writing. Uh, just kind of like we're talking now, we do it. Do it that way, one on one. Play ideas, take them away, and uh, you know, get them a bit further down the line. And then I think we were able to meet once a year. You know, get through all the red tape, and uh, yeah, we kind of two sessions, uh, one in two thousand twenty, one in two thousand twenty one, and then we kind of did the album in in April this year. So yes, it brought a sense of jeopardy to it all. Jeez, it doesn't feel like a lot of time spent together either. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, to yeah. Take it back together because it doesn't sound like obviously like it's a, a disjointed effort. Actually, this one feels more like it picks up after the album before your last one because your last one felt a little darker to me. Yeah, even the video. Yeah. It almost and then you guys vanished. I was like, was you guys just like kind of veering off and experimenting, and everyone's kind of going different ways, or was it just you know what I'm saying? Because as a fan mm-hmm. watching you and the music's good, you guys didn't sound like it wasn't less quality. But that like the, the video in the woods compared to yeah, like you guys yeah. rocking out and everything. Yeah, it's just night and day um, topics. Uh, you know, it's what yeah. it felt like. And well, this one feels I, like it's a return back to the just rock and roll, at least the single. I think so. Yeah, that well, the, the single's pretty pretty representative. I think of, of the rest of the album. Um, he had to go back to Solace. It was it was definitely darker and more experimental, and that was um, kind of the way it was made because. We'd just come off the road. Uh, we toured Raise a Little Hell in America, supporting Whitesnake that summer. Mm-hmm. And we straight away started writing Solace. And uh, it, it was made kind of, you know, with loops and kind of not everyone was in the same room at the same time. You know, yeah. sometimes we Cormac and me or me and James. So you'd be taking drums and chopping them up and, you know, Mickey would be doing the bass in London and send it over. So it was kind of more experimental, experimental way of making the records. Um, mm-hmm. And it was a dark time as well. I think maybe subconsciously we knew that it was kind of, things were coming yeah, to an end in the future. Well, as a fan though, you know what I'm saying? Like you guys, there was only, and, and of newer rock bands, there was very few like rock, rock bands that were younger coming out at that time. And yeah. it's still like mm-hmm. that. It's, 
there's only handfuls of rock bands that are coming out nowadays that are younger rock bands. You know, you guys were one of them at that time. And all of a sudden, this next album came out. Like, you're like, oh, the answer, I'm going to get a good rock and roll album. Some great mm. riffs, and vocals, some good strong rhythm. Nice. And then this album comes out and you're like, oh, it's not a bad album by any means. I do listen to it. But it's not, mm. it wasn't the album I was expecting from you guys. Yeah. You guys were yeah. my rock and roll band. And I was like, oh, okay. A little different. You yeah. know, and then next thing you know, <laughs> I was like, all right, where are we going with this one? This is a new adventure. And then the adventure ended. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. well, that was a, kind of a weird end. So it, it was, yeah, it was frustrating. Um, I think so people I, check out the album too. Check out the album. It's a good album. People yeah. not saying it's bad. <laughs> it's good. It's just, it's just in the linear world of rock albums. That was just a quick left turn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was things on it. Things work better than some songs work better than others, and some approaches on that um, work better than others. And at the, that tour, we kind of got to see, you know, from the audience and, and ourselves, which parts worked the best. Mm -hmm. And there was maybe a hope to go back in sooner than you know five years and or seven years now, uh, and uh, you know update that formula make mm -hmm. the, the make it you know a better solace but we didn't get that chance um uh, sundowners is more what you would expect from the, the first five records of course yeah um, but you know we hope we've refined it a little bit and uh improved the the formula um certain I, I think so i think all bands should experiment there's nothing wrong with it but just to end that did that be like the, the album and i'm like all right that was where I got thrown because like, all right, cool. There's a lot of my favorite bands have different albums that are like, you know, an album is more experimental or different. And I still listen to it, but not as much as others or whatever. I'll go through phases. Mm -hmm. That was like, that was it. I was like, that was a weird explanation point. So, <laughs> but as you guys are in a band and you guys aren't playing out, you guys have all had to go into different types of careers, obviously, you know, it's self-made millionaires. Mm -hmm. Effectively, how is it going to change? Like for it'll be touring videos, you guys all won't live close to each other at this point either. What can fans expect to see, like from you guys, like the, you know, the performances or videos or what? Like what's going to be there for them coming up? Um, well, the record's going to come in March, March seventeenth. We're going to start touring, I think, two days before in the UK. So we're going to tour through March and April. Uh, It'll be UK, uh, Europe, Germany, France, Belgium, uh, Holland for the moment. There's plans to go to, to the US and possibly Australia, Japan as well. Uh, and there's big uh, festival season coming up in the summer too, but uh, that, that'll mostly be in Europe. Then just before we've uh, done a new kind of a, a single before uh Christmas, uh, I think it might be out right now. Actually, called "Want You to Love Me." It's, it's just a lyric video, not a not a full full release. Um, and there'll be a new video uh, for I think it's "Living on the Line." It'll be the single for just before the record comes out. And we've we've made a video for that um, in Paris, where where I live now, thankfully. So the the guys all got to come come to me for once and. Uh, <laughs> spent spent two three day, days here, uh, hanging out and I made the video. So the good. other three guys live closer to each other. Uh, there's two still in Ireland. Uh, okay. They're where they were always. Um, 
Mickey lives in Southampton now, which is kind of just just south of London. So, um, I mean, again, he's he's kind of been there a long time too. But uh, now I've been here since uh, two thousand and eighteen. So, yeah, it's it's kind of scattered around a little bit. Um, if you told me, you know, ten years ago we'd be doing that, I would say that that's, that will not work. You have to be in the same locale, right. you know, all the time to to work on ideas and. Just logistics of everything. Um, I think being an early band, though, you had it. I think you can't establish, in my opinion, sorry to me to step over you, the delay here. I think you guys establish yourselves. You cut your teeth together. Now, with the technology of, of Zoom or Skype or whoever, mm-hmm. you have real time experience and you have the, the digital world, you can do it to connect. And then you can still tour. You already have your experiences, so it can still work. But you can't naturally become a young band together. Yes. First out of the yeah. gate. And being different, I, I guess you can. I guess I who might say you can't, but it feels like it would be harder organically to really become, you know, that get that bond together that you know, what I mean, to gel together without cutting your teeth together and in, in the clubs starting out, yeah. Or even just, um, probably another thing we take for granted like the just the time you spend together socially. And mm-hmm. you know, we we used to rehearse and afterwards we'd have a few drinks, play our favorite records. You know, watch that Zeppelin DVDs, um, all that stuff, and you know, you, I think through doing that, you can you get to know each other better, quicker, and you know, you let your guard down, reveal more about yourself, and that then comes into the creative process as well. And yeah. you know, if you're, I don't know, some if you're it's a rainy Monday night in uh, somewhere in Middle America, and you're playing to five people, and you need to. Pull it, pull it together like you, yeah. you've got that connection with the four of you to do it um, it's good having four best friends with you or three best friends yeah, with you exactly yeah whereas I can imagine um, you know if your motivation is to get a record and you know be top of the charts and uh, you know be on the big tours and then you end up someplace like that you, you know you, you may not st- stick around too long right I, you know and it's funny because I hear this a lot a lot of any any size musicians from new bands, you know, a, lot, a lot of the bigger musicians will say they'd rather have somebody who's a decent musician and a good person mm-hmm. to be in the road with and a good, you know what I mean? Than in, like a supreme master who's just a jerk. Yeah. On yeah. the road with because it's, you know, it's, it's, it's so many moving parts. The other 23 hours are the cliche 23 hours are, you know, 23 or, you know, 22 and a half hours or whatever it's going to be. You're with that person. Yeah, you know, and you yeah. don't need that rock star. You need a friend. You need yeah. a friend that you can get mad at the next day, and then be some sorry, and then you can be like, "What's going on with your family?" Because you're sad. I can help you. You need that to last as long as you guys. That's why you guys are back together again because you didn't. And you're all original members. I mean, that's insane. There's no no news flashes of controversy. You guys, no, we're just tired. We needed a break. We're back together doing it. We never, you know, that's why you guys. I think a big part of why you're still together. Yeah, I think I think so. Um... Yeah, definitely touring. You, it needs to be a family, and you need the your family's going to know you sometimes. So yeah, you need that that give and take. Uh, and one thing I've noticed um, when recording with yeah. producers, the guys are good. It's you know it's not about being a genius. It's it's not about being Roy Thomas Baker or some guy that's you know a technical genius and a musical yeah. genius. It's someone that's a genius with people and that knows what makes them tick. 
yeah. knows you know when to push them, when to step back. Um, like a psychologist, and, you know. Exactly, exactly. That's it. Yeah, those are the guys that I think uh, you know that that hang around and are, are revered, and certainly that that I would want to work with and can get the best material out of you. That's very telling. You notice that because it's very important. I always thought that, and I've talked to some some producers. The first thing I've asked them is like, I go, "We think the biggest strength is important thing: knowing people, reading people. Besides technical, you get that. You get that coming in. Mm. Anyone can pretty much learn technical on some level. Yeah. Then you get the feel on how to apply it. That's that's where you start becoming kind of crazy. You know, Roy Thomas Baker. I hear a lot of cocaine stories, so I don't know. I can't. Never enough cocaine to work with him, but. But to the point of, of the, the the great recordings he's done, but but on a serious note, like you need to read people, and each player is different. And then when everyone's vulnerable, and each musician in the band, when our studio can be different people to each other, because mm-hmm. they're all vulnerable, and that's a lot to be like the middle person and kind of, you know, move people around to get the best out without hurting everybody's feelings. So it's a, it sounds exhausting, really. It was nice. something being a parent, <laughs> four kids that hate each other or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. The worst, yeah. the worst, the worst uh, vacation ever. You know, <laughs> I have to turn around in the back one more time, you guys. Just play your riff. Um, <laughs> I'm excited for you guys come back. I think it's really cool. Um, and so, so, so you're on Golden Golden Robot Records for this album. That mm-hmm. and uh, Mark reached out to you. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. I think he's he's been saving rock and roll. He's one of the leading labels right now that's pulling out all the all the good rock bands. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It it's fantastic. The the I don't know, it's stable, such a weird phrase, but the amount of, of artists that are rock and roll based that he's given a chance to, and it's not making them write anything but your own stuff. Yes. You know, yeah. so that's pretty awesome. Um, but this is exciting. Um, what about where can people go and see you, connect with you guys, like, you know, the social media? Because I don't, do you guys have a website yet going? Um, I think the, we'll probably stop the website uh in 2017 um but probably uh, it's, it's there uh, technically it's out there it's in the, like, yeah, the, web the, the domain's still there yeah no no like it was like the wayback machine or something uh i think that's was it the, the one just a website that like archives everything uh, okay. okay and it has it on there i've actually tripped onto it i don't know how i found it a rabbit hole <laughs> if you may <laughs> but it's, it's uh, out there i'm like i'm like is there anything current please for the fans uh, um Mostly, uh, probably Instagram. We're pretty active on that. Um, the answer rock. Uh, you can get me the answer PM on there too, and same Facebook. The answer rock. Okay. Um, okay. I'm not sure if the the website. Uh, I will have to check. Like websites have died, but the the answer dot ie it's out there somewhere. It's interesting because yeah, there are two. I'm gonna say this with websites. And releasing albums, there's almost two separate schools. Like with websites, you, you do more people doing Instagram and Facebook, and then I'll have like a link tree. And then the link tree page will have like links to their socials and then links to the albums. And, or, and then these YouTube is their video site. So link to their channel page on YouTube. Or they have a website with everything in it, which is as a fan, it's easy. I enjoy it. But they got to make sure they have somebody behind that machine to maintain it. Other it becomes like a weird MySpace ghost town. And then if that's the case, you're better off just doing a link tree on those socials. You know, it's, it's like when people do artists, they're releasing an album or they're just doing single every month or two until they have enough singles out and then it gets packaged together as an album. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like there's just really so many different avenues now as an artist to release yourself on media. 
your, your media and your yourself as a band on the socials. Yeah. So yeah. Well, it's it's changed a lot since uh, since, since you guys left. Started, I guess, right? Yeah. Even, even since we left, yeah, it's crazy. You know, it is crazy. And, and Twitter would have been a thing for you guys, but now everyone's kind of like, well, I don't know if we should use Twitter right now. Twitter's up in the air. <laughs> that it used yeah. to be the best for bands, really. You know, um, uh, it's been great, man. I appreciate you coming on. Um, oh, thanks for having me. Oh, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear the album. Single's great. Uh, I'll put all the the links you said underneath on, on podcast and on YouTube channel so people check you out, support the band. In the meantime, check the old stuff out if you haven't heard of them. You know, if you haven't, I don't know what to say. <laughs> They're a good <laughs> band. The four good blokes from Ireland. The other four <laughs> the other four blokes from Ireland you may know. But um <laughs> you guys are a good rock band and a really nice guy so uh welcome back to the world of rock we're, we're glad you're back you know so thank you man thanks Sean. really appreciate it